Hey guys, all right. So for today, we're doing episode three, and I'd love to talk about key techniques to effectively win people over. I find this such an incredibly important skill set to have, and not necessarily to perfect, but just to be much better equipped at. So, what are, why are we talking about this? For myself, I find fascinating the power of relationships amongst human beings. In the jungle, Non-human animals assert dominance and prowess over other animals through physical stature, hissing, biting, clawing, and some other form of savagery, really. Humans don't use any of this barbaric behavior to assert dominance or establish hierarchy. Usually, sometimes we do, try to avoid this at all costs. Definitely don't recommend, don't try this at home. For humans, we do so something much more discreet yet incredibly observable to the aware individual. What is it? We use sophisticated language. And you may say, sophisticated? What are you talking about? People talk garbage and gibberish all the time. While that's true, we are still able to communicate fictions to one another and ideas and stories that are non-existent, not objective, and through each of our subjective experience, we create this inner subjective reality that allows our conversations and society in a way to even function. We have the ability to communicate with our strongest muscle, which is the tongue, to form sounds that others recognize as a means to transmit information congruent with the lexicon we like to speak in. While this feature of the human body is unique and secluded to Homo sapiens, it is not clear to many that, believe it or not, the battle for dominance and establishment of a hierarchy is done through the power of the tongue and the language we communicate it. Like the old saying goes, the pen is mightier than the sword, but the tongue is mightier than both, than them both put together. What does this mean? Backstory. What I've noticed in my short 25 trips around the sun with regards to people is how susceptible we are to influence, subtle or not, in everyday communication. Everybody, this has to do with everybody. Personally, I wasn't born with too many resources. You could say money, looks, although the hair is really coming in quite well and it's actually helping quite a bit, uh, but neither here nor there. Talents or even really connections. Yet I found how to be resourceful and I've discovered that it made all the difference. Every human being has the same six needs regardless of culture, religion, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, and any other differentiator of an individual. So here, here are the six core human needs created by, you could probably guess, Tony Robbins. So let's, let's run down them. The first is certainty, which is avoiding pain and finding comfort and having that stability. We all want this. And the opposite of that is uncertainty, which means we want variety and we want some kind of novelty and something new. Too much of one, we get bored, and the other, we feel in danger. The third, significance. We want to feel special, unique, and important, or that our lives matter. Fourth is love and connection, which is feeling intimacy and having strong bonds. And as you can see, behind me, we have Rafiki and Jafar. Uh, they're calling for love, kind of. Rafiki's cleaning himself, and Jafar is annoying him like usual. That's really what he likes to do. Uh, the fifth is for growth, 
right? Progress is happiness. If you're not growing, you're dead. You want to feel that you're making some kind of advancement. And sixth is contribution, which is giving and stepping outside of ourselves, usually is something bigger. So with these six human needs, uh, specifically designed by Tony Robbins, is, a set, is the idea that we all have these and how does our relationships and our communication deal with this? I'd like to share just a handful of techniques that I've discovered and have lamented into my toolkit to maximize my chances of establishing a relationship with a stranger that needs not be zero sum. Meaning it doesn't have to be one party wins, the other loses, there's no middle ground. One that can actually be advantageous to both is, is ideal. I really hope this can inspire your other, others of you out there who let's say have no resources or natural talent to connect with others and have a desire to instantly win others to their side, at least in the beginning, okay? Because it's crucial, it, it really is. So we're gonna start with the first one, which is to self-deprecate. This means using situations where you lack knowledge, expertise, or even familiarity to ground yourself, not as weaker than the other, but someone clumsy or silly with regards to the incident at hand. When you're meeting with someone from what I've experienced, the idea is that you really never wanna, let's say outshine the master. That's one of uh, a key rule in actually Robert Greene's book, The 48 Laws of Power. But what it means is be able to have a little bit of self-deprecation and demonstrate that you're not so uptight, that you can be an expert in something, but even a little silly in another area. It makes you seem more human. And from what I've experienced, is it usually makes you much more relatable to the other people. Second, you need to mirror their vocabulary. This one is crucial. So what does this mean? Use the language spoken by the other individual to not only let them know you are both on the same page, but to also avoid unnecessary trouble by introducing new information that may not be welcome. An example of this could be if an easy one is if someone speaks a different language, let's say they speak Spanish and you're both speaking English, but you know they speak Spanish, use one or two words that are Spanish. You're able to connect with them and create a baseline that's really important for rapport in the beginning. And mirroring the vo vocabulary is indicating to the other person that you're listening, that you're aware of what they're saying. And when you reflect that back, you're actually able to demonstrate to that person that you're attentive and you're focused. And it makes the person feel more special and there's a better connection. And one thing I found is if you're in a discussion, an argument, anything like that, where someone's saying something about an event that was contentious, if you use the same words they say and you don't differentiate or deviate, you can't get in trouble because that person, if they were to yell at you, they would actually be yelling at themselves, right? And like we learned before, the desire to stay consistent with our identity plays a big part there and they usually don't want that. And in most cases, people aren't mad at you. They're actually just mad at the expectation they have that wasn't met. So be aware of this one and just use their use the words to come out of their mouth and be very deliberate with that as well. All right, next one. Uh, so as you can see, or here, Jafar is being very deliberate with his bark. Uh, I should also bark too, but I don't know how effective that would be. I don't speak dog, but maybe he can teach us. 
another time. Okay, so third one. Uh, he's going to be a lot. Okay, third one's to expand with questions and wow. avoid interview slash interrogation methods. What does this mean? Basically, you want to use an expanding question to get the other individual or group or people to talk and share more than they had originally anticipated. Okay, one, one second, guys. Come on. Come on. All right, one second. He's, he's a little loud. Okay, all right. Oh, I just kind of dropped him. That's not good. Okay. Uh, so where are we at? Use an expanding question to get the other to talk and share more than they had originally anticipated. And even a no share is more fodder for you to better understand, not just the individual, but the future direction of your questions. Caution must be used to prevent the perception of an interview, although sometimes welcome, or an interrogation from taking place. In any discussion with someone, it's, it's kind of a dance, right? The art of conversation, it's really a dance. You're, you're, you're coming from a place where you don't have all the information you need. And even if you do, you don't know what happened to that person 10 minutes before you met up, five minutes before the call, the day before the meeting, the week before the date you went on. You just have no idea. But you want to find ways to expand with questions and have them be more open-ended. For example, let's see, you could say... Did you have a good day? Sure. You're going to probably get an answer. They may say yes. Okay. But then where do you go from that? Where do you build? And then it becomes too, uh, too interview, interview-esque, let's say. So you could say, hey, tell me about your day. Yeah, what happened today? Oh, I see you're, you're wearing your hair different. So tell me about that. Was there something different going on today? Which is a close question, but you're being a little more specific. And avoiding the interview, it's having the ability to really pitch and catch, right? Have it go back and forth instead of just lobbing uh, a conversation starter and it going nowhere. And of course, interrogation, what are we doing? No one likes that spot. I'm not comfortable one bit. With this sense, just be cautious. Use more open-ended to get a better picture for where they're at. Definitely listen and get a feel. And of course, be attentive. Crucial. Fourth one, and this one I like a lot, and it's actually gotten me out of trouble a lot of times, which is quite good. It's to raise them with a compliment, right? You don't do this again anything, but when you acknowledge someone for a compliment, it lifts them up. However, let's differentiate. Use a specific compliment and preferably about something unique to them or something they put effort into. Could be their hair, their dress style, their presence, their energy. Uh, and to not only raise the person you're speaking with, but really to paint a better silhouette of yourself in the stranger's eyes. When people hear themselves being complimented, even if they don't actually like the other person or don't believe what they say, nine times out of 10, just hearing it makes us want to live up to this higher ideal or support this idea. Someone says, oh, you look incredible. You're going to tell them, nah, I look, I look hideous, I look horrendous. You may respond like that and you may not believe them. They're just trying to brown nose you or anything like that, but it's still going to feel good. The idea here is to also be specific because if you just say something generic that they didn't put effort into, it's not really doing much. And what I've learned is now that I've grown my hair out for about three years, haven't cut it even once, not even for a trim, what I've realized is the absolute challenge that growing your hair takes. 
And now, specifically when I see people who have long hair, mainly women, right off the bat, I'm complimenting them because it's incredible that they're able to go through that process and just power through it and look incredible. And it's it's funny because even growing up, I would always wonder, why does my mom and sister take so long in the in the shower? What are they doing? And it's they're, they're fixing their hair, they're getting dressed. And I, th- I thought, hair can't take that long, right? I used to have kind of tight little curls on my head and it'd be quick. But as soon as I grew on my hair, my level of respect for women and people with long hair, although always high, increased tenfold. It was no brainer, crucial. And when you compliment people on something like that, that takes effort, what you're doing is you're raising them to this place where they feel that their efforts were not just done in vain. And it actually, in, a, in an odd way, supports their, their desire to continue this behavior, right? It's basic conditioning and that's not what you're trying to do, but it's what happens subconsciously. You really can't go wrong with this. Just keep it appropriate. Keep it something specific that demonstrates you notice something they put effort into. You really can't go wrong with this one. Finally, the fifth one, there's so many, but the fifth one I fear is to definitely share a laugh. Crucial, crucial, crucial. Use humor to drive out a laugh of the stranger to create the idea that both of you share something special. And the, the secret is that if they don't laugh, laugh yourself. It's all good. If you laugh yourself, you're already in a better state. It's energy that radiates. It's positive. And that person's, it's going to be hard for them to withhold their laugh, even if they don't think it's funny. Laughing, in this sense, it's so natural. And it's very childlike. And it brings you back to that place of being a child, of just being in a peaceful state. And when you're with that, you're really able to connect with someone because you're tying uh, an intense emotional feeling with the other person because it's not just what you say right there's there's an incredible quote out there that says people don't remember what you say but remember how you made them feel i think it's my angelou it could be wrong someone will probably correct me on that and it's it couldn't be more true so there we have the five it's the first to self-deprecate be able to laugh at yourself and don't take life so seriously and it's okay second mirror their vocabulary Oh, I forgot to change here. Mirror the vocabulary. Third, expand with questions. Avoid interview slash interrogation. Four, raise them with a compliment. Something specific. Really go for it. And five, share laugh. Humor, very childlike. Now, I'd like to just share four books that I've read who who they've had such a such a significant a significant influence on just understanding the idea of how to communicate or how to relate or just present yourself. And it's not uh, the end all be all. There's more books that are better, more lessons that are even more specific. But these four for me were absolutely awesome. And I'd love to share with you guys. So the first is Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert B. Cialdini, PhD. Incredible book. Uh, This is the revised edition. And there's six key tenets in here, uh, basically talking about social proof, liking, authority, scarcity, reciprocity, commitment, and consistency. Great book. Really recommend it. It's about 240 pages. You could read it in maybe a week if you read 30 minutes a day. That's about it. This, this other one called 
Capivate, The Science of Succeeding with People, Vanessa Van Edwards. It was actually quite a great book because her story is that she was really shy growing up and she didn't have the ability to communicate with people and didn't know how to make that good first impression or even position herself in social settings. So this one I would recommend for anyone who's maybe a bit of an introvert uh, or even an extrovert and is kind of unsure of how to really connect with people in a way that you leave a mark and you're able to captivate them, as the title says. Really great book. Uh, this one was crazy powerful. I took notes pretty religiously. It was so good. Uh, just on the techniques. This next one is called How to Talk to Anyone. 92 Little Tricks for Big Success in Relationships. And this isn't romantic or platonic, any kind of relationship. It's incredibly important. And she breaks it down into about, I think there's nine different parts, right? So I think these will probably interest some of you guys would be part one, how to intrigue everyone without saying a word, right? You only have 10 seconds to show you're somebody. So those 10 seconds, you gotta step it up. You don't wanna mess the 10 seconds up, it's not good. Part two is how to know what to say after you say hi. Because you say, hey, what's up? Okay, what are we doing? Where do we go? This person just came up and said hi, kind of weird, what's going on? That section touches on it really well. Part three, how to talk like a VIP. It's a, having the assurance and the confidence that you're significant in that moment and to really present yourself quite well. Part four, how to be an insider in any crowd. What are they all talking about? When you're trying to get into a circle or a group or any sort of social dynamic where you may be on the outside, it's a, it's a really effective part to pull you in. Part five, how to sound like your peas in a pod. It's very similar to the laughter that we talked about earlier. When you're able to connect with a person like that or even mirror the vocabulary, you're connecting with them on a subconscious level that they're not even aware of, but they're going to start gravi gravitating towards you much, much more. Really, this that works very well. Part six is how to differentiate the power of praise from the folly of flattery. Like we had talked about uh, earlier with giving, raising a compliment, raising them with a the compliment and doing so where it's not just, oh my gosh, you're amazing, but a couple a couple of good, good tricks in there to really demonstrate that. Part seven, how to direct dial their hearts, really connect to them on an emotional level. And I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you want to connect with people on a, a deeper level than we usually do, right? We, we don't just want the surface. We want not to know everything, but to connect and realize that there's more to the person than just this five foot six human being walking around and just roaming. We, we want to know more. Part eight is how to work a party like a politician works a room. There's a six point checklist that's mentioned in here. And the essence is that you don't have to be a politician or a salesperson, but it's how do you enter a room or any social gathering, any social setting and find a way to make the most impact and be the most intentional with your time, with others, with your energy, and to really leave believing you did everything you could effectively. Part, that was part eight? Yeah, okay. Part nine is how to break the most treacherous glass ceiling of all. Sometimes people are tigers. So 
this is more so the the party fouls could be the party fouls that happen and being aware to avoid them and not fall privy to them although it seems incredibly easy when that happens In the last book i'm going to get a little drum roll everyone's probably going to say ah oh, how are you recommending this book again but if you've read it you are not going to be surprised because it's just that good of course it's the one and only how to win friends and influence people by mr dale carnegie incredibly powerful book i think it was written in the 1920s 1930s 1930s and i read this in college my junior year 2017 and it changed the game changed my interactions i read this and applied it was much more effective right off the bat and it's an oldie but it's a goodie because i, I think what he tapped into is how to how do people work on a very base level and how do we get people to live up to their highest potential and how do we connect with them on a level that is not not indicating that you're better or that you just want something from them but how do you connect with them on a level that makes them want to do better be better and see you not as an enemy but as a potential ally and that's really the trick to figuring that part out so how do my friends influence people? Highly, highly recommend. Incredible book. You cannot go wrong. And if this one's too old fashioned for you, or you want an updated kind of millennial version, 21st century tech, there's this same book, but how do we, it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age, which of course is the age we're living in. So what do we do now? We've learned five techniques, self-deprecate, mirror their vocabulary, expand with questions and avoid interview interrogation, raise them with a compliment and share a laugh. Five key ones. Those are the ones I've found to be incredibly effective and pretty much quite timeless. Of course, there's more, there are less that could be effective, but those are the key ones. Incredible books uh, to check out. Just pull them up right here. Uh, how to win friends, how to talk to anyone, captivate and influence. And the final part, it really comes down to what are you going to do? And what about trying it yourself and seeing what's going to happen with these ideas? What do you do with them in your setting tomorrow? So if I can give you guys a challenge, if you're interested, excited, want to push a little bit, just a tiny little bit or a lot. You could do a little or a lot. It's up to you. Try one of those. Try one of those tomorrow or the next interaction you have with someone. If you are with a significant other, mirror the vocabulary. When they're talking to you and they say, man, honey, or sweetheart, I had such a difficult day. You could say, you had such a difficult day, huh? And they said, yeah, it was just, it was so much work. I couldn't believe it. It was really stressful. It was really stressful. Basic, but you're mirroring them. Or if there's someone just saying something outlandish and they describe something and saying, oh, that was incredibly, just, that was the worst thing ever. Instead of saying, yeah, it sucked, it really did. Say, yeah, it was the worst thing ever. You're you're eliminating any friction, right? You guys are connected there and it helps it flow. Or if you want to really just someone you see randomly, raise them with a compliment. Look for something that they're wearing, maybe some jewelry, maybe just how their energy is that day or the way that they did something, how they opened the door or how they helped someone pick something up that they dropped. Crucial. Ask questions, see 
see yourself as being more interested in the other person than yourself. And it's going to work backwards in a good way. Uh, Dale Carnegie, I believe, has this quote, says, uh, people don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's attributed to him. The basic idea is that when you're asking those questions and you're curious about the other person, you get this, you get this sort of kind of, it's like you're playing tennis or, or ping pong, whichever one, any, any game that there's uh, back and forth, right? Or even like the tango takes two to tango right for my hispanic listeners out there or anyone who likes tango you need two to tango and if you're putting out you're already creating that energy and the other person is going to feel inclined to reciprocate and bring it back share a laugh keep it light be humorous and implement these implement these try at least two after you hear the after you hear this episode and comment or share or any any medium that you want to describe your experience or even just see for yourself what it does. If it does something bad and your life gets ruined, you could tell me and I'll take you to, uh, I'll do something that's going to compensate your troubles basically, but that's not going to happen because through these and other techniques, especially mentioned in those four books, you're able to connect with people and connect with people. You don't have to be super deep. You don't have to get super meta and connected. It's just about seeing another human as valuable and finding a way to speak with them and find that base. Because once you operate from that place, everything else is so much easier. Other people call this rapport, which of course is important. It's more of a business term, but any kind of exchange that we do with people, crucial, crucial to have. So those were the five, those are the four books. Hope this one resonates really well. And I'm excited to hear what changes and see see if this can create some momentum to just facilitate little tweaks, right? Most of the changes in our life, it's not a massive change we need. Sometimes it is, but it's usually just a two millimeter shift. That's it, right? Let, let's imagine if you're driving on the highway, you're going straight, and I told you, turn the car just two mil or turn the steering wheel just two millimeters to the right. It's going to change a lot. And you say, oh, no, it's not going to change. It's two millimeters. Okay. If we're going 60 miles per hour or 40 or even 20 for 10 seconds, we're going to end up somewhere very different. Think about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll end on that note and excited. Excited to hear and thanks for another episode and excited to, to do this again. All righty. See you guys. Bye.